1: Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you for being here. This is episode 113 with actor Ryan O'Kane. I'll tell you more about him in a moment. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's a Saturday afternoon in Sydney. I'm kind of tired, but I'll tell you why in a moment. Um, Yeah, thanks for being here for news. Please subscribe. There's a mailing list. You can find it on my Facebook page now. It says sign here. I've got to try and make the button more obvious. But, yeah, that's where it is. You can find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. If you want to write to me, sendosheremail at gmail.com. I tend to write back to pretty much everybody, but uh, you can also write back to the mailing list mail out. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, messaged about the Arias the other night. It's the Australian Recording Industry Association Awards. I was lucky enough, grateful to be asked to host it for a second year in a row, which is an absolute dream gig. And, uh, yeah, I had an fr- amazing time. Um, I love big live tv (laughs) it's my favorite thing to do really really is not just uh, mainly because i get to work with such a great team of people i got to work oops i'm just dropping stuff all over my computer here i got to work with um you know one of my favorite directors peter rott's my favorite director's assistant um madeline she's great floor manager jen was great michael my writer um danny who was on prompter and and super lucky I, i i managed to get audrey she was free and uh you know as you know, I met her at work. She's a hair and makeup artist and I managed to get her to come and work with me on the night, which was freaking great to have her there and 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 be with her and, and have her there on the night and come and share the night with me and it was really great because it's a long night and you know it's just great right, this rad to have her it was great I really enjoyed it. and the kid got to come as well, so that was cool so it was a big family night. some great great, great performances as well and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um really enjoyed it. I don't quite know how much I talked about this last week, but I managed to um I managed to bust my shoulder about 2 weeks ago. Um I hit a sandbank body surfing and uh really kind of um messed myself up. Went and saw the surgeon the other day. At this point I don't need surgery, but he reckons that when I hit the sandbank with my elbow, I actually dislocated my shoulder and then it popped back in a moment later. Um which is pretty lucky. Uh, But yeah, I've I've fractured um, part of that shoulder and uh, the humeral head, I've fractured it. And and there's a few ligaments and things that aren't very happy about what I've done. But at this point they don't need to open me up, but Jesus, I can't sleep. It's really messing me up. I can't sleep and not sleeping. As you know, that's a big no, no for me. That's the number one thing I go to first is sleep. And, um, Yeah, it's interesting. Just these last two weeks, not being able to sleep properly, I've really noticed that my brain's getting noisy again, much like the 3D printer. Sorry, I had the 3D printer going last week as well. Sorry. Um, But yeah, much like, uh, you know, that um, when I don't sleep or... In my opinion, sleep is one of the most important things you can do for yourself. And when I don't sleep properly, my my brain gets a bit noisy again. And the the way I described it to Audrey the other day, it's it's a little like living next door to a construction site when the tiling guy is there working. You know, you can be busy in your house working on something, reading a nice book or something, and every now and again, you know, that sore starts up and starts ear piercingly working its way through some ceramic and then it phew, winds down and then everything's quiet again for a little while and about 90 seconds later after he's put the grouting on and put the tile up phew, starts again. It's pretty much what it's like. Every every little while um the noise kind of kicks in. And that's what the that's what the thoughts are like, I guess. Um they used to be bashing down the front door with sledgehammers, now they're just kind of next door. It's annoying but I'm certainly noticing the correlation between the noise in my brain and lack of sleep. So I might, after this is done, have a nap on the couch. I had a nap in my car yesterday. Well, the Arias the night before and I was in between meetings and I, yeah, I took a nap in my car. It was great. Uh, I felt a whole lot better after it. I won't lie. I felt really good after my nap. Uh, The Arias was so good, but... um, Uh, On the night, a lot of people say congrats about the Brisbane gig. A lot of people have been emailing me and tweeting saying congrats about the Brisbane gig. I'm uh, part of the Breakfast Radio team in Brisbane in 2016. I'm hit 105. I'm stoked about it. I couldn't be more thrilled. This podcast will continue. Do not fear. Speaking of podcasts, I'm on two this week. Um, I'm on Steve Malk's show, Humans of Twitter, and I'm also on the On Air podcast with uh, Ryan. Ryan, I'm sorry, I forgot your last name, but just have a look. It's on my Twitter feed at some point. (laughs) Um, both very nerdy broadcast podcasts, if you're into that, very nerdy broadcasting conversations, but, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, they are there. Um, what else happened? Oh, we had all the kids over last night. So yeah. So Arias, everyone popped off to the after party. Um, we were home having a cup of sleepy time tea before Conrad Sewell's choir had even left the stage. It was freaking great. But last night, um, the kid had all her mates over or not all of them, but we had six little girls. Sleeping on the floor in her room the other night, um, and it was wild, mate. They made Nutella and moz- Nutella Nutella and marshmallow pizzas. There was uh, intricate choreography to Justin Bieber songs in the living room that uh, we were forced to wa- forced asked to watch. Uh, it was the best. It was just really the best. It was so lovely to have everybody there, and in fact, it was much more fun than any after party I could have gone to. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So my guest, I'm stoked I can bring in my guest today. He's a lovely guy. He's an actor from New Zealand. His name is Ryan O'Kane. He's getting a lot of work, a lot of work in Australia. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He played Prince Frederick in uh, Mary, Making of a Princess. On the way, he's in the new Peter Brock teller movie. He played Jeff Thompson in uh, How's That, the story about uh, test cricket in Australia. Lovely bloke. Deep guy, really deep guy, very funny guy too, funny haha. very dry though, had me cracking up, had me cracking up, but it was great to have him around, it was really nice to have him in the house and we had a great chat. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy this uh, conversation uh, around the lovely Parker Dining Table with the wonderful Ryan O'Kane. How are you, Ryan? I'm lovely, yeah, yeah, good. W- welcome. Thanks very much. Welcome a beautiful me. Bondo Beach. Indeed,
2: yeah. Oh, it is stunning.
1: And it's that's lovely. It's a, it's, a, it's a lovely day. I'm a bit, bit, it's a bit weird today, you know. I mean, one thing that weirds me out a bit is that it's a, it's a beautiful day in Sydney. Mm. It's a glorious day, but it's 10 degrees warmer than the average.
2: Yeah, and what's it meant to be on Friday? Like 39?
1: Yeah. It, I don't know how people exist.
2: It doesn't get to 39
1: degrees in Sydney at this time of year. That's insane. Never did my whole life. And, and now I'd, it is. I'd
2: much rather be too cold than too hot. So yeah. I'm freaking out. Well, I'm a little
1: more concerned about why it's getting warmer. And, uh, and that's the thing. You know, it's a kind of it's a tricky thing when I, when I think about it. It's like, yes, it's a lovely day, but it shouldn't be this warm.
2: <laughs> yeah, because it's only going to get worse. I, I read a, um, a really cool book recently. Um, oh, I've forgotten the writer, but it's called The Wind-Up Girl. Uh and it's about that kind of thing it's uh, global warming has hit um oceans have risen um whole whole continents are gone but for some reason thailand built massive walls and they're one of the only bastions of civilization left and they just locked off their walls and they said that's it no one's coming in it's a really really interesting read everyone's lost the power to travel so they have to use Kink springs and and uh, kinetic energy. Ah. So the idea of international travel is gone. Yeah, You've got to, you got you, you go right back to snail pace, that sort of thing. Sailing, mm. but um, yeah, scary prospect.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I certainly hope that there's a big meeting in Paris in December. So I certainly hope that they get their shit together. But your country is doing leaps and bounds, man.
2: No coal. Yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, yeah. They, yeah, no coal, which is great. That's wonderful. I think there's been a real push there. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but at the same time, we seem to be opening up a lot of our coastline to um, the idea of drilling, mm. deep-sea drilling. And, you know, I mean, we've got a population of 44 Maui's dolphins left and the government has decided to open up their breeding ground and said, yeah, yeah, come on, have a, have a look, do your samples, see if there's oil there. It's just, um, uh, it goes against uh, New Zealand's green image and certainly my idea of what New Zealand is. Mm. Can you vote if you're outside of New Zealand? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, you still have to be a New Zealand uh, resident. So, yeah, I mean, you can as long as you spend, I think it's three months of the year. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I voted in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't actually that tricky. It was nice actually going to into the city, yeah. Go up seven floors and in this um, in this building and sit there and
1: have a vote. (laughs) Mates of my uh, mates of my younger brother um, go into the embassy and uh, get married because uh, gay marriage is uh, same sex marriage is legal in New Zealand, but it isn't here. So
2: that he could he could do it. Yeah. So yeah,
1: the mates mates of his down in Melbourne have gone into the embassy in Melbourne, gotten married. Yeah. Because they're on New Zealand soil, and then walk back out
2: again into Melbourne. And Australia has to recognise that, don't they? Oh. Do they? They f- bloody should. Or is it a grey area. It's a sort of <laughs> they
1: bloody. Sh- I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, New Zealand had Australia is constantly paying out New Zealand, but you had a female prime minister before us. You all first organize-
2: country to to have um, the female vote.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right too. Women's suffrage. Yep. blew out in uh, you. you have you know we still have difficult histories to recognise with our indigenous people, but you had a treaty, at least.
2: <laughs> That's true. Um, and you know, I I had a talk with a friend of mine, um, Aaron Pedersen, once, and we were talking about that kind of thing. And he said, you know, it's it's it is easier for New Zealand because there's predominantly one Māori language. Well, you know, there's there's through there's a few variations, but I think there's over two hundred and fifty. Different Aboriginal dialects? I think it was was something like
1: 1,500 separate nations, I
2: think. How do you teach that in schools? You know, how do you, you know, because I know Māori gets taught in schools. I went to drama school. I learnt Māori as part of the curriculum there. It was great. Really cool. Um, I was in the remedial Māori class. Um, I was very slow.
1: That's better than the... uh, uh it has, the remedial Maori class will have more people in it than the Australian
2: Aboriginal dialect class, which is empty. Well, that's the point. Which, which one do you learn? Which dialect? Which, uh, yeah, which language do you learn? I'd imagine you'd yeah. learn the no, language of the people of the area
1: that you live in. Mm. That would be the... I
0: that mean,
1: if that, like anything's it. going to connect you to your land and the original people that lived here, mm. more. What, what part of New Zealand did you grow up in?
2: Lower South Island. It's so, a um, place called Dunedin. Penguin country? Yep. Yeah. Yellow-eyed penguin colony there as well as um, Southern Hemisphere's biggest albatross colony. Yep. Right on. Well, it's a cool place. In fact, I think it was only four years ago I was in Dunedin and you could go down to the beach and look out on a sunny day and see an iceberg and see a chunk of frozen ice floating in the ocean. It was just insane. You see that, you're that far south.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Mm.
2: Oh, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely city. I think it was voted 2014's most scenic city in New Zealand. I'm a little bit proud. As you should be. Um, every
1: time I go to New Zealand, we were there for the Bachelor finale. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. So while they were all off in Rotorua doing dates, mm-hmm. uh, me and Audrey went down to Queenstown and just... Oh, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> we strapped on some uh, hiking shoes and we ice hiked, uh, snow hiked, uh, snowshoe. What time of year was that? Oh, when were we there? We were there j- j- July. We were oh, in July, okay. Yeah. yeah, so there would have been quite a bit of. Yeah, it snow. was great. Yeah, we hiked. We put on the snowshoes and we hiked up a uh, um, uh, well a mountain. It was. We were hiking on a mountain and mm. we were going up.
2: Yeah, but we
1: didn't hike up a mountain.
2: Yeah. Okay. I was just. No, no, it's, it's good.
1: Fairly yeah. technically, we did walk up a mountain, yeah. but not all of it. Yeah. Okay. No, no. And no. we had a. We had a. We hiked up to a snow cave. We had a cup of tea in a snow cave. That's nice. Because our, our guide had, hold on there, and he pulled out the thermos. Oh, he I had the, the bell tea, which yeah. is your, uh, your builder tea. Yeah. And he had some cookies. And, uh, a couple some, of ginger nuts maybe. Or something he did. Like he had some ginger nuts. Yeah. It's very civilized. And then we hiked from there a little about 100 meters further
2: up, and there was a frozen ice lake
1: up there, which oh, nice.
2: was, yeah, it was it's a beautiful. It's a stunning part of the country. I'm actually, I'm off there um, about an hour away from there over Christmas. Um, family spends a lot of time in Clyde is just maybe like half an hour's drive from Queenstown. Yeah. As yeah. The first time I went to New Zealand
1: I was 16 and yeah. I thought that somewhere while I was away someone had invented 150 different thousand shades of green that I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. Because Australia is very khaki.
2: Yeah. it's, it's yeah. It, it does have its own colour palette, yeah. doesn't it? I, but I did notice um, it was recently in Tasmania. Very similar. Very similar to New yeah. Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what did you folks do in Dunedin? Uh, Mum's a teacher. Yeah? Mum's a teacher. She's been teaching for years now, secondary school, um, Kavanagh College. Um, and Dad taught for a long time as well. But now he then moved into property management and now he works for one of the hostels in, uh, in, in Dunedin. We're a very big university. Now. Yeah? Yeah, I think one-third of our population is students. One-third of the city is cordoned off and that's designated student area. So over Christmas, it's just, it's a ghost town. But um, during the year, it's awesome. If you're a student, it's amazing.
1: So is it the kind of town that's small enough that you had to go to your mum's high school?
2: I did actually, yeah. yeah. No, I had the choice. I had the choice. I was given the choice. Um, I was sent to a couple of, um, I'm going to say enemy schools <laughs> um, because it's a, it's a close-knit community. Uh, but my friends were going to Kavanaugh and it's interesting, mum was feared and dad uh, Dad was just loved, so between the two of them, I never once got hassled for being uh, for being their their kid it was It was pretty cool. I had a very good uh, group of friends as well yeah yeah and that what
1: was... at what point
2: do you remember the first time you stood on stage, or do you remember the first time you stood on stage? and went,
1: "Oh, this is good
2: well oh look actually i did there was there was two times um, at school that hit home one was um Mum taught sex ed. That was an awkward class, really awkward class.
1: My mum ran an STD clinic at the Australian Army for 15 years. Yeah? Yeah. Did you attend? Uh, How shall I put this?
2: Eventually what she taught me did come in handy. Oh, well, brilliant. (laughs) Did you then go and get hold of her and be like, mum, guess what? You'll never guess what happened today uh, or didn't happen today. I would be lying to you if I didn't,
1: as an 18-year-old man, go, Mum, what's this?
2: Right, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good.
1: Very um, clinical, though. clinical, obviously. No, definitely, yeah. So you're
2: in the sex ed class with your mum. Yeah. And she's teaching. And she's teaching oh, and they're handing dude. around tampons and I'm just sitting there, ah. a shade of red, just thinking I'm not asking. I don't need, I've, Even if I've got questions, I'm not asking nothing. And the other time, oh, no, yeah, I was taught by dad as well. And it was, I think, only one stage I put my hand up and said dad by accident, you know, and then a few heads snapped around. It with, uh, <clears throat> Mr. O'Kane. Yeah. Um, but, no, it was, it was great. It wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So was it at school that you first stood on stage? Actually, it was mum. At a very young age, I was apparently running around the house in a, um, in a lambskin cape and nothing else on, and she thought, yeah, maybe the theatre, maybe the theatre for this one. So my brother was sent to soccer. My sister learned the piano, and I was sent to the uh, theatre. But theatre was always – it was something extracurricular from school. School had a very close-knit um, theatre community. So I think I did this form too, which I, I think is like second year of high school. And then I, it was theatre was always something that was um, – it was not, not something I pursued, but people, you know, people would pull out of shows or um, people would just ask. So I ended up doing about two or three plays a year, really liked it. And then I think I did the Seventh Form Musical, but I wasn't allowed to sing. I was told very early on in the process, please just mouth it, don't sing. In fact, you know what? We're going to write some lines for you so you can speak. <laughs> So that's you know that's a shot to the ego. That's a lovely thing.
1: <laughs> what mm. musical was it?
2: It was it was uh, it was a take on Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I think it was called Joseph Two Thousand. So it was this. Yeah, sort of, you know Joseph
3: Two Thousand.
2: <laughs> mm. So I was the narrator on top of the narrators. So I decided to put on a French accent, and I had a little New Zealand uh, girl as a uh, an offsider And every time we came on stage, everyone had to freeze, and we moved. Our marionettes round told a few jokes about the principal that sort of thing and then they carried on fun it was it was good it was good fun so much fun
3: mm.
1: i always i loved the school musicals you know because i went to an all-boys school it was the only time i got to speak to girls
2: oh of course so they brought in the, oh yeah 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 Yeah. well we went over there oh yeah there. we went to okay. that school yeah it was great what were your what
1: were your, your um i was uh who was i, I was bill sykes in oliver twist brilliant and I was one of the, I wasn't Mister Darcy. I was someone else in Pride and Prejudice. And I can't remember who. Were these musicals?
3: Yeah. All right,
1: Oliver Twist the musical. Oh, oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. and there's a Pride and Prejudice musical. Oh, okay.
2: I didn't didn't know that one. Yeah, it's mm. not very good. Cool. Well, I see. I see. Actually, there's uh, Pride and Prejudice and zombies about to come out. Jane Austen.
1: Mm. Does she know? Does she? She does do no no wrong. Yeah. I'd love to see Mr. Mr. Darcy
2: have at you with The Undead. Well, yeah. I mean, apparently the book's great. I don't know how the movie's going to go. Mm. So with
1: academic, you know, I guess your parents really, really kind of valued education very highly.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, which is odd because I can't spell to save myself. Got um, a little dyslexia. Yeah. Which meant that um, writing and spelling was really hard. So I ended up using... Um, A reader, writer well a writer I could read fine I could read well well enough but um yeah writing I'd avoid anything um over four letters really so my writing was quite badly affected I used to get marks off for spelling a lot um but yeah I think because of mum my English was um one of my favorite subjects and dad's a really talented artist so I was sort of drawn to art as well Mm. really liked that but, yeah, never did theatre at school. That was always something that happened after. It's
1: not uncommon for actors to have some dyslexia going on. There's something, yeah. about the, something about the auditory learning and the mimicry and, like, yeah, there's something about it.
2: Yeah. No, I've heard that. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's any correlation, but I really like audiobooks. Mm. Probably more than I like reading. I like stories, but audiobooks. Yeah, and I, I guess there's something to do with learning lines as well. Um, yeah, not really seeing the words on the page, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Right. Do, do you think you would process it differently to, to other actors? I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was asked the other day by my sister, how do you learn lines? And I couldn't really tell her. I just keep reading over and over and over and suddenly they're there. But, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think I really see the words on the page. Yeah. Mm. That is odd, that moment. That is odd. I, I've
1: talked about this before. Um, oh, Silence of the Lambs. What's his name? Actor. Anthony Hopkins. Okay, Tony Hopkins, yeah. He says when he gets a script, he reads it 250 times. I read that too, yeah. Because I've heard him say,
2: then I know that I know that I know it. Yeah. And there is a moment like that. I'm, you know, there is – having done – you know having had a big theatre background there is a moment where i think you suddenly you just don't need to go over it anymore you just know 100% that it's there to the point where something can happen on stage someone could you know skip a chunk or choke on something it's all we even had an earthquake in wellington during a show and you step outside of it for a moment and think well that's oh it's truth. we need to we need to get back into this this needs to and then it's suddenly it's there it's brilliant What's the correct protocol for
1: earthquakes? Are you allowed to break the fourth wall if you're all in danger of falling lighting rigs?
2: Well, I think if the fourth, ball, fourth wall literally breaks, then, then <laughs> yes, quite. But this one was weird. We were doing Stanley, a streetcar named Desire. I was playing Stanley and we were, um, yeah, we were mid-scene and the whole you just saw the dust coming down from the ceiling and the other, um, the, uh, the other actor, Jade, he'd, he'd stopped. Um, the guy playing Mitch and we sort of had a moment like, Is this how bad is this? And he just picked up and kept going. Um, but no, apparently it was it was like a five point something wow.
1: rather. Yeah, I, I'd lived in Los Angeles for a long time, and it was literally, literally like that scene in L.A. Story where they just simply take their teacups off of the table,
2: really, just so they
1: don't spill and they just keep the conversation going. Yeah, and then what they can sort of judge, like,
2: oh yeah, what there's a five? No, I'd say that's more of a four.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think when things start to like really fall over is when people start to go outside. Yeah, okay. All right, if 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 nothing's fallen over, people are like. It's all right. Because all the buildings are built for it. They tend not to leave. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's nothing made of steel there. It's all wood.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: except for the downtown bit, which is the only uh, uh, geologically sound bit that they can put high rises on. Right. Pretty much, yeah,
2: yeah. And downtown's filthy. It's uh, it's awful. It's filthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to not be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for a, I was there for a, a long, a long time. So,
2: do, was university in your path? Was it something that? Um... Well, I think because Dunedin is such a university city, yeah. it kind of had to be, um, and it was it was the logical step. Are you the oldest?
1: Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, you didn't have that big brother or big sister who'd been there before. No. Right? No
2: trendsetter. Yeah, very much so, um, and yeah, I think university was uh, physically right there, so it was kind of the next step. But I was very lucky. I mean, I, my best friend, uh, is a, he's a doctor now. His father's one of New Zealand's sort of leading heart surgeons. But um, he, hes I think he's head of A&E at the moment in Wellington. But we did a lot of the same subjects, and he was set on being a doctor. And I thought, yeah, I'll be a doctor. I can be a doctor. I can save people. It's a respectable living, and you earn a lot of money. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. What do I need to pick up in seventh form? Oh, physics and <laughs> chemistry and what stats. Yeah, but I'm sure they're not as scary as they sound. Let's do it. Failed all three. <laughs> Ridiculous. But luckily I had passed art and I had passed enough to get, um, at the time it was all about, um, you had to get under 12, 12 points for your top four or something. So I got into university and still persisted. I did um, health science because the Otago Uni is very big on um on medicine, So you have to sit health science before you can actually get into medicine. And I think they take in, I can't remember how many thousands of people. Maybe it's like 2,000 people and they've got a 100, 100 spots for medicine. Huh. So there's a hierarchy. You go medicine, dentistry, nursing, yeah. physiotherapy, and it keeps going down like that. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, I mean, Ben, ben went straight in. Yeah, this um, is
1: Audrey. Okay. You know,
3: <laughs>
1: Hi. 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 are you off to the the yes, thing? Work. Yeah. Yes. Did you get a nap at all? Did you lie down? Yes. Did your eyeballs shut? Not
2: very oh. Okay,
1: fine. okay sweetheart. You're gonna be there. I'm gonna drop her off at. When...
2: Yeah.
1: There's dinner at Thanks, hon. Okay. Just pack it in that container. Oh, you to... thanks, sweetheart. So I'm gonna grab her. Uh, probably after this, I'll go grab her because I've got a, my three thirty is a phone call now. Grab her, grab some food in a container, and bring back. Thank you, darling, for her and me. Yeah. Okay, logistics.
3: Yeah, it's support. Good. Mm.
1: This is the stuff. This is the. This is the. This is the dream. Yeah, the nitty gritty. Right. It's the nitty gritty. That's what life's is, all about. I yeah. Like it. yeah, we're yet to put the whiteboard up of who's picking up who. Um, have you got enough food to take with you, sweetheart? Don't say that. You, it'll be 11 o'clock and you won't have eaten anything. Have you been there, Bodhi? Vegetarian yum cha city. It's amazing. No, I haven't. Dude, you just sit down and they just, you want this dumpling? You want that bun? So good. Really? It sounds great. Oh, so good. Bye, honey. Please eat something.
2: I don't believe you. Where are your keys? Someone's about to say where you left them. I can sense it.
1: I'm not. I've learned my lesson.
2: We have a little hook beside yeah, the beside figured. the front door. It's surprising how many times the keys are not there though. Surprisingly how big this bag is
1: You found them? Yes. They were in the bag? Yes. That's lucky. Bye lover. Nice to meet Bye. you. Thank <laughs> you. Uh so Okay, so there's a hierarchy of the between the two thousand one and twenty, oh, yeah. only one in twenty will
2: get into medicine. Exactly. And I was sitting first week, and I'm sitting there, and um, in uh, what was it? it was Bio one hundred and one or something like that? Biology one hundred and one. First week, first week, and there's you know there's four lectures a day, um, four of the same lecture a day, and there's maybe two, three hundred people in each lecture, and I'm sitting there, and people are taking notes furiously. Um, and it, it just all seemed very clinical and I realized this isn't, this isn't for me. Wow. I'm not going to make that cut off. I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I had a really good discussion with mum and she said, um, you know, why don't you look at some other things? Keep the ones you want to keep. So I kept biology, really like that, turned that into zoology and then botany. Um, and I looked at psychology cause I kind of thought, you know, psychology, that sounds great. I could be a psychologist. I've seen Fraser Crane. <laughs> I know what it's about, <laughs> just ridiculous. And, and then mum said, well, you know, you, why don't you, there's some theatre, take some theatre papers, you like those? Yeah, actually I will. I'll take some theatre papers, interest papers. I'm good at that, I like that stuff, that's easy. And I ended up doing a double major in theatre and psychology, and it came down to the last year. Do I do my third year psychology first or my third year theatre? And again, mum was the sounding board and said, which do you like better? Which is, you know, don't worry about which you think you should do. Which do you like better? And I said, well, I have a lot of fun in theatre. Go and do that then. Then come back and do psychology. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. I think three quarters of the way through that year, I got the chance to audition for Toy for Cardi, which is the New Zealand drama school in Wellington. Um, And luckily I got in and sort of didn't really go back for the third year of psychology, ended up with a degree and um, a BA in theatre.
1: That, As someone who's quit uni, uh, the idea that it isn't a thing that is set in stone I think is very important to talk about, this idea that mm. because there's so much expectation of, A, you've got to get in and, B,
2: once you're in, you've got to do it. It's so fluid and yeah. it, it can be fluid, you know, and that's why you have your, your, um, your interest papers and you only need, what is it, um, was it 60 or 80 points within your chosen field the rest can be anything hmm. uh, and something like psychology doubles as a theater and a science so that's flexible um, and that um, that helped a lot with with theater it was a nice pairing I mean it's almost it's almost a great pairing when you think about it so it's an extraordinary pairing and theater I mean there's some real nut cases in theater yeah <laughs> There there are. Are. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know. And that's just backstage. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's
1: I mean, right. if, if I've never met a stage manager that isn't, uh, shall
2: we say, particular, Yes, very particular. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and possibly aged beyond his or her years. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it'd be good, you know. So this character
1: is this, this, this. Okay, and you whip open the DSM, da, 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 and you get the exact description. Yep, very handy. Yep, definitely.
2: Very Which I think hand- is why something like extras or something like that is, you know, so spot on sometimes. I always tell
1: people to watch that show. Oh, because yeah. it is. I was like, well, no, that's it. That's Brilliant.
2: that's it. That's mm. that's what happens. He he runs on and hey, you're cut. There's actually there's a new one. Uh, it's not entirely in the same vein, but it's a show called Toast of London. Have You come across that? Before? No, not yet. It's a, it's one of the it's an actor Matt Berry who works a lot with like the Mighty Boosh guys uh-huh. and um he's a, he's a very good singer. Like he's done a, a small forty minute musical called A D B C about the um, birth of Christ told from the point of view of the innkeeper. But he plays this guy, Toast, who's a theatre actor in London. And he every episode starts off with him in a sound booth doing a voiceover uh, and goes on to him doing ads or bit parts on TV shows. Or, and then he goes, he has to make his theatre um, show that night. It's a great show, but it's the characters that you see in there pop up in theatre and the entertainment circles all the time it's fair it's very well observed have you
1: seen uh, cuz people ask me about that a lot have you seen um Un- unreal
2: yeah 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 actually my girlfriend jazz got me onto that and it was addictive it's a very interesting show very clever very um yeah very clever to do to do a show like that
3: yeah hmm.
2: it, it as someone who works in that world it's an interesting show I can imagine you would have a very unique perspective watching it. So you, you go
1: from a drama at uni to this prestigious drama school. What, what is it that they teach at, at drama school? Like the kid has a dance contest tonight, a dance showcase tonight at NIDA. Yeah. And I've often, you know, asked people who've come through here to, to talk, tell me about what happens at NIDA. But what is it that you learn at,
2: at these schools? I think Toy is the closest to Hogwarts I will ever get. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. Sometimes I was in classes, loosely called movement, and you're dressed in black and you're rolling around on the floor, pretending to play with these giant invisible soapy balls, telling stories with invisible ribbons, rolling on each other, making guttural noises and passing the energy and I remember there are a couple of moments where I'd, I'd suddenly find myself outside of the experience thinking a I pay money for this and b if anyone ever saw me doing this I just don't know that I would ever live it down and I've accepted this and I've gone with it and I'm involved it was no look it's this particular drama school was great very, very cool. It taught me a lot about the Māori culture, which was, which was great, and um, taught me a lot about uh, local work. But I feel that drama school can't really teach you how to act at all. I think it does two things. One, it gives you a network. Um, in terms of networking, it's invaluable. It introduces you to different directors, different actors, different work. Um, but B, it can only really improve you or give you technique so you kind of have to have it to start with but um, that's that's part of the audition process yeah definitely yeah. but you know it's, it's an odd one i mean i remember we had an audition uh, regional auditions first up which was great um made it through that but then we had a recall weekend uh and it was odd they were shooting a documentary uh, i think they did one on nida years ago but they wanted to do one on new zealand Uh, drama school and they said we're going to shoot the promo for it over this weekend don't worry we're not going to film you guys but if it's successful we'll film the next first years so we had ours filmed which was odd really odd um and I particularly had a really rough weekend I had great classes and all the all this all the other facets but I had this one class where you have to stand up in front of your group and do these two monologues that you prepared one classical one contemporary and so I decided to go with my weaker one first and the, the guy, um, the teacher who I'm, I've never really particularly got on with, um, but since having left drama school, I kind of see what he's talking about to an extent. He stood up and said, you know what, I think you're bullshit. I think you're bullshit. Um, so I'm going to get all of your classmates to stand up in front of you. They're going to point rifles at you. And every time you're bullshit, they're going to shoot you. If you get shot three times, I'm going to get you to walk outside to the bus stop and catch a bus back to wherever you're staying and you can leave because you're out. And that's terrible pressure to put on someone in an audition. So I went, all right, great, I'm going to rise to this. Here we go, I'm good. And I started and I got shot, my third word, by a friend of mine called Serena. And I looked at her and she kind of went, I'm
3: sorry.
2: (laughs) Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And I looked at this guy and he went, no, she's right. You were bullshit. Go again. Got ten words in this time. Was it bang? Was they shouting bang? Oh, yeah. They just yelled bang. Oh, man. Ten words in. Serena shot me again. Couldn't believe it. And I'm standing there thinking, okay, I've got one more chance. This is fine. You know, I've seen the movies. This is where they come through. And I maybe got 30 seconds in and Tom shot me, the teacher. Um, And he said, right, you're outside. Way you go. And I had to walk of shame all the way out, got to the bus stop, sat there, realized that I'd driven, so I didn't even need to be at the bus stop. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> got, got to my car. I'm sitting there and Tom came out and he said, listen, um, I don't think you deserve to be here or I think you're rubbish. But some of the other teachers um, believe that you've got promise. So you can come back at the end of today and you get a second chance. Uh, and if you prove yourself, then... Who knows? And luckily I came back and I had the good monologue that I'd prepared. Malvolio Twelfth Night, I'd, you know, I'd done the show. I was, and I had a great time and uh, didn't get shot. Um, and luckily got through, but um, it was a harrowing weekend. It was a really, but look, I had an amazing, and I didn't finish. I, I got a year and a half through three year course and then got a job and got great advice from a tutor there who said, no, no, you're at the school to get a job and you've got the job, so go. Because if you come back on Monday, I'm not going to teach you. Which is great. That was cool. Um Yeah, so I mean, I had a great time. I had really, really loved drama school.
1: Yeah, except for the group humiliation
2: led by the lecturer. Yes, right? Apart from that, but in its own way, looking back on it, I'm mean, not that specific group humiliation. That was too much. And I felt like that was playing to the cameras that you know for the documentary for the uh, drama. Uh, but once those were removed. There was in times where you could embarrass yourself in a class. You could go, you know what? I'm going to be the first one to get up. So when he asked for volunteers, I'm going to jump up. I'm not going to know what I'm gonna but I'm at least I'm going to be first. And you learn things from that. I mean, there was a terrible exercise where each person in the class had to get up and be funny. That was all you were given. And you get up and you stand there and you think, all right. Uh. <laughs> and no one laughs. And yeah. you have to stay there until you're funny, and eventually, at some point, you know you break down or you um, just get so frustrated that people start laughing at you, and the idea behind that is is to to give up trying to be funny, and it works. So there are lessons, but I think in terms of what drama school teaches you, it gives you a network, and it gives you a chance to fail in a safe environment. So you mentioned that that
1: that time you say. I can see kind of where he was coming from. Where do you think he was coming from?
2: Well, he, he did this gait analysis thing. He did this class where he would, um, he'd watch you all walk around and then he'd pick one person and say, know right, Ryan, you keep walking. Everyone else sit down. And then he'd get you to jump through a few hoops and he'd tell you things about yourself. And at the time I was very resistant to it and just felt like, you know, I, do, I don't, to this day, I'm not entirely sure that he is the best teacher for guys. He's very good with girls but there was some sort of weird competitive thing going on with guys. It wasn't amazing. And, and I remember at the time he said, you know, jump through the hoops and I did. And then he said, okay, here's what I know. You've got a clown bring out this clown and the clown sort of dances around and says, don't look at me. I'm no threat. Oh, look, you know, I'm I'm small. I do my little tricks and I'm no threat to you. You're fine. And I went, all right, cool. Maybe. And he said, but once you push through that, there's a pit bull that says, nah, don't come near me or I will bite your head off. And I didn't really agree with that again. Um, but since then, I've seen the clown. I've <laughs> seen the damn clown so many times. <laughs> and he does exist, which is, uh, I guess, you know. So I think his insights were very interesting. I just, I'd, sometimes I didn't really agree with the methods, that kind of thing. I always wonder if there's, particularly with, with
1: theatre classes, with drama classes, it it really does delve into the, the world of psychoanalysis of the actor massively. And I, in my experience, people are probed for to go to areas of their past hmm. that the person who's doing the probing
2: doesn't have the skill set to safely bring them back from entirely and look there was an example of that this guy this teacher um tom he took someone a friend of mine this guy greg took him to a place and greg obviously had a lot going on in his life and this is theater this is i don't think you need to go that far but he took greg to a place over the course of an hour and a half class and greg was a mess at the end and then the bell rang and we had lunch and everyone filed out and greg left and never came back to the school. And no one followed up. No one saw where he was. And there was no time given to him to bring him back to a place of normality. And there was no care given to him or no respect for the place that he'd been taken to. Mm. And I didn't, I don't think personally that you need to tie up so much psychology. Yeah. So I've seen people broken down and that sort of thing. And it feels cathartic, certainly in certain parts, but I'm sure if you need to know that stuff about yourself and you want to explore that stuff as an actor because you want to bring that. I mean, I know someone like, you know, Ben Mendelsohn is a wonderful, a wonderful actor and he draws, he must draw or, or you know, I'm assuming that he draws on his colourful past for some of his characters and that's a wonderful experience to have. Um, and, you know, I've recently heard that Anthony Hopkins has come out and said, yeah, I was an alcoholic for a long time and he's, he. you do see him in projects bring that intensity, that sort of, um Addictive sort of intensity into roles, and that's a wonderful thing to have. But at the same time, I've seen people like, you know, um, Damian Lewis, the English actor, um, do amazing work on Band of Brothers. He's never been to war. He's never experienced that sort of thing. Mm. So it's a trade-off for me. I don't personally think you need that much, but it's a, it can be dangerous, really dangerous.
1: I know what it's like to be a working actor here in Australia. Well, no, I'm not a working actor but I have mates that are Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, people will go to the Logies and they'll be in a fancy dress Mm -hmm. and they'll get up and accept the thing and go, thank you so much. And then the next day they'll go and give the dress back Mm -hmm. and they'll sit in the back of the plane on the way back to their share house. Yeah. They live in Newtown Mm -hmm. and they'll put the Logie on the shelf above their bed Yeah. uh, and then catch the train into work. Yep. You know, so it's not exactly the most
2: lucrative uh, profession here. Mm. What's it like in New Zealand? Uh, it's, I've always found if you take uh, the Australian experience, you take 80% of the funding out, um, that's probably New Zealand. <laughs> that's crazy. You know? There used to be the joke that you make an Australian film on the catering budget of an American film. <laughs> Great. Well, then, if, yeah, you can make a New Zealand film on, on the, the budget that's probably given to the runners, you know, it's, it's – but in saying that, there's been some amazing films that have been come out of New Zealand recently. Um, yeah. Some, some independent of, films. I yeah, guess. independent yeah. films, certainly. I mean, all the big budget ones are, you know, they're the ones that have the $300 million avatar. Yeah, but that, but that didn't exist. No, that's true. Twenty years ago, that did not exist. Peter Jackson's really done huge work for Wellington and New Zealand film industry. Yeah, I mean now with James Cameron having a house there and doing Avatar, two, three, four, all of that sort of thing. But this, yeah, there's some great local stuff that comes out on a minute budget. Yeah, they the new term is I believe it's micro budget. Micro budget. That's Mm. a nice way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah. So like under under five million,
1: under two million, something like that. Oh
2: yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, under a mill
1: sometimes (laughs) were you aware of uh, the kind of stuff that peter jackson was doing
2: like because he would have before you were born he would have done those early stuff yeah i mean i my first experience of him was um frighteners i saw frighteners michael j fox big fan of michael j fox's um and i thought great film that's awesome and as i was getting to drama school um yeah i think the last lord of the rings was premiering that day as I arrived. So I went down to the red carpet and saw everyone, all the Hollywood stars. So I think I'm one of maybe 10 New Zealanders that's not in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, about that. But what, what he
1: has done for that, um, and in, in many ways it started before that with, um, uh xena uh warrior princess being shot down there
2: 185 i think episodes they did well that was a direct spin-off of hercules yeah, yeah. that's right that's yeah, exactly yeah. right they did
1: hercules down there as well mm. and like i know i interviewed one of them but that stunt team is still around
2: yeah and they're still working i worked with them this year yeah um on a, a film six days by a uh, new zealand director tor fraser um and all those guys they've got these amazing stories i mean Yeah, like amazing stories from Hercules, Xena, but they went on to – there was a lull for a long time, but then they went on to Spartacus, Uh um, and some of those stories are harrowing. But, um, yeah, there's quite a strong industry there that seems to jump now from project to project. Yeah, we had one. Yeah. (laughs) I think we undercut you with our our dollar. Yeah, I think it did. Mm. And I think that – I think uh, our –
1: Government from 1996 or so
2: on yep. didn't help uh, by taking away the tax breaks. Yeah, whereas I think we increased ours yeah. uh, and said, look, everything in New Zealand's within half an hour's travel. You've got snow, you've got forest, you've got desert, you've got beach. What more do you need? Yeah, pretty much. Food's good. And, you know, it's been, they've been clever. They've tied in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit with our, our cultural identity now. So, you know, yeah. it is essentially Middle Earth.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, because I, when I was growing up here, movies were getting made here left and right. Yeah. And then it just kind of all went away.
2: Yeah. I remember, you know, heaps of films being made yeah. on the Gold Coast, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, but Star Wars
1: here, for, far, for Christ's sake. Yeah, that's it's right. Up the street. Yep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. All of them, just over there. Mm. They made all the Matrixes over there. Well, they seem to be getting a few back now. Oh, let's hope. I think there's Thor. Um, and the next aliens movie, nice. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge is the Mel Gibson one at the moment. That's being shot there. Uh, and I believe there's one more. Oh, there's parts of the Caribbean that's being, that's just the, been shot up on the Goldie. Yeah, yep.
1: Well, that's good. That's big,
2: then. Yeah,
1: that's big enough. Okay, oh, I'll feel better now. That's a few. Okay, yeah. I'll feel better now. They seem to be coming back. Oh, that's nice to no. know. Yeah, that's that's that is that is good. Yeah, but it's you know the the tax break thing is very interesting because you know people. Having lived in California for so long, people were like, "Yeah, California must be must be making movies left and right." So no, they make them all in Atlanta, right? They're yeah, like, all Atlanta. Yeah,
2: it's just too
1: expensive to make movies in California anymore.
2: Yeah, you'd have to have all sorts of money. Yeah, they mm. all they all do it out in Georgia. Maybe do two or three days in LA just to pick up the exteriors. But exactly. Everything else, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Because in Georgia,
1: you've got exactly. You've got ocean. You've got park. You've got mountains. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. What's the, uh, so what's the, you know, kind of independent,
2: you mentioned people are making micro stuff there. What's the independent scene like in New Zealand at the moment? It's pretty strong. I mean, there's a couple of really good groups, a lot of tally features, but I'd see that like Australia's going the same way. I mean, New Zealand's making a lot of telly features. Um, I actually just put down a tape for one this morning about Gene Batten, which looks awesome. It's like a really cool story. But, um, what was that? Like a two parter, one and a half hours each? That sort of thing? I think that's a, that's a 90 minute thing, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it is a two part. I'm not sure. Um, New Zealand doesn't really release the scripts like Australia does. Mm. You audition for something in Australia, you read the script. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. New Zealand, you read the audition scene. That's, that's it. it. Yeah,
1: ah, tough.
2: Um, but no, like uh, Black Horse at the moment. Uh, um, there's even talk of um, Oscar nominations there for Cliff Curtis. Nice. And that's you know that's a beautiful script. That's really that's probably something that um, in terms of film that we haven't maybe had since Whale Rider that really looks like it could have international success. But, you know, the production group behind that is a bunch of guys in their mid-30s that were actors, started writing because they wanted more work and decided actually, no, let's do this. You know, young guy Tom Hearn is just a young New Zealand producer and he's having hit after hit. And then you've got Taika uh, Waititi who's he's directing Thor now after directing um, a bunch of things in New Zealand, a boy, um, Eager versus Shark, things like that. I think he's actually. I think his latest one is an adaptation of Barry Crump, who's a sort of a New Zealand Mick um, uh, Dundee sort of character, about Sam Neil, who goes into the forest with a young Māori boy because he wants to retain not ownership, what do you call it, um, guardianship of the boy. So they just go bush uh, and exist in the bush for a while. It's a great story. I remember um, reading it a while back. but So there's those coming out. This is really nice. And they're doing quite a few co-ops. But um, I'd say your average budget for a New Zealand film would be around 3 mil. Wow. Hmm. Do you have to lift stuff? Is it that bad?
1: How do you mean? That you're lifting things as well as acting? Yeah. Yeah. You're lifting things? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: That's That's usually the point. I've done enough television like that as well. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're on in half an hour. Can you just lift this? Help me lift this.
2: Okay. Yeah. No, but I've, you know you get in a wee bit of trouble that for that too. You see people like um you know make up wardrobes struggling back. I'll just I'll just no, don't carry that. I'll get in so much trouble. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to move. I'll just take that and a little bit of this and.
1: Yeah, demarcation. Yeah, you can't can't do that. Can't do that. You were all over our telly last week. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. Apparently it did really well in terms yeah. of numbers. And it was crash crushing. Hmm.
1: It was big. I thought of you as I drove past to slip-in today.
2: Oh, did you? Yeah. Mexican restaurant now,
1: I believe. Apparently. Yeah. They had a poster out the front for about a year and a half. Re- oh, yeah. They had I a banner. Imagine. I can they, imagine. They yeah. hung a banner on it yeah. saying, it happened here,
2: meet your Prince Charming. Yeah, I can imagine. They would have done great business. <laughs> yeah, mm. totally. yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I was really happy with the way it came out. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. Um, they ended up, actually, they ended up cutting one scene from the start um, which really showed the moment that these two uh, discovered who, who, who each other were and sort of uh, fell in love. But I can see why they cut that for pace and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I was really happy. Thought it was thought it
1: was great. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Will it take you long to make?
2: Four weeks. Damn. Yeah. That's fast. It's too fast. <laughs> They, um, yeah, four weeks. I think minimum something like that, five and a half, six. But um, that was four weeks. Wow! With a three-day splinter shoot in Denmark. That it's quick. Days off. Uh, yeah, no, you got weekends. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it was, a, it was almost too quick in that I was having too much fun. Yeah. And wanted a bit of extra time. It's like soap opera speed. Yeah, they were getting quite quite a bit during. Um, I, I think maybe something in the vicinity of maybe like twelve to fifteen minutes a day. That's that's staggering. Yeah, it was very yeah very quick. It's, and now that it's done those numbers, they
1: will be like, hey, come on, they made it in four weeks. Do you need weekends?
2: Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we could do it in three and a bit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's worrying. Can you lift things?
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're going to trim down the crew uh, yeah. and multitask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great fun to shoot, though. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it was such a lovely group of people. Jen, the director, I've never met someone who laughed so much on set, which is a wonderful thing. Emma was, um, she was fantastic to work with in terms of um, her Mary. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, we're out in the harbour on catamarangs and we're up, um, in the Langham, the new, new, newly refurbished Langham, and then um, yeah, I mean, we got to film in Government House, got to meet the um, the governor who actually lives there. That was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was nice. Super fun.
3: Mm. How did how
1: did the how did the production come about? Did someone commission someone, or did someone just spec the script? Or how I think work?
2: someone did. Um, Sam Strauss was the writer. Um, and I believe that she had some success with um uh, what's the dancing show? Dance Academy. Mm-hmm. I think she wrote Dance Academy. She wrote a lot on Dance Academy. Um but yeah, they approached her and said, Could you write us something? All right. Yeah. Um, and I mean I knew nothing coming from New Zealand about this. Um, but yeah, so she did a really good job. Yeah. Mm. I
1: remember um, it was around that time I was working at uh, Channel V, which is the music television channel here in Australia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And um, it was just when Qantas had introduced the Skybeds and I uh, interviewed Powderfinger right after it. And they went, yeah, man, we went over and played that wedding. Yeah. Yeah, we got to lie down on the plane. It was awesome. <laughs> That's cool. They <laughs> was stoked. Yeah. they was stoked. But you're working on another one over here. You're working on one about, um,
2: about Peter Brock. Peter Brock. Mm. Yeah. That's a biggie. Yeah, it is. And again, I knew nothing. All I knew from coming from New Zealand is, you know, only a fool kicks the ball on the pill sort of thing, which is, I guess, a takeoff of the two-second rule. But um, yeah, it's a great. It's shaping up to be a great series. I think Matt, um, Matt, who's playing Peter, is doing a great job. He's got these contacts and given this piercing look. I think he's got quite pale eyes. Naturally, but he's got these really. Peter had these really dark, brooding eyes. So to see him in the morning, and he's all smiles, and then you see him in costume, and you think, it's the truth. <laughs> "This guy can see my soul." He was there. Yeah, it
1: was. You know, this is also because it was at a time when television technology was just getting more and more exciting, and camera coverage was available. And suddenly, we've got cameras in the cars, and we've got cameras in helicopters, and so. Mm. It wasn't just, you know, four or five cameras sitting around Bathurst, yeah. you know, just shooting a car. Going, it was 27 cameras on the course and stuff yeah. like that. And the way they would play the rivalry between um, uh, Johnson and Brock. Yeah. It was just, it was kind of was Ford and Holden and it was just.
2: Yeah. Huge rivalry. Oh! Yeah. This whole thing with Alan Moffat and then um, he had a phenomenal record too. Yeah. In terms of his, his, uh, his, his winning. Yeah. I think he won, what, eight, eight times? A lot of. Yeah, eight. eight. He was a superhero.
1: Yeah. He was, he, was, he was a superhero. But then again, I think about is that because he was a superhero or is it because I was of that age mm-hmm. that, you know, that person on the telly appeared to be a superhero?
2: Well, I think maybe his achievements speak for itself in that you have to have a certain level of drive. And that's not a pun. But you need a certain level you of. You should have owned it you really should have i won. own up to every pun every you i really love should have puns. just stuck right on it and left some it. shockers um, but i think you know you, you have to you have to have some level of drive to to be that heavily involved for that long uh, although in saying that the polarizer thing with the crystals that's really interesting i don't know I about didn't that know about. he got to a point in his life where he was um, encouraged not to drink and uh, smoke And he became very clean living Uh, and he started to wear crystals around his neck uh, to help his um, energies, focus his energies. Uh And this is when he's designing cars for Holden. Uh, And he said to Holden, I'm building this new car. It's called The Director, releasing it. And there's the odd one around nowadays, but I want it to rival BMW. I want it to rival GM. I want this to be the Australian car that people in other countries say that's the one I want. But I want to put this thing called the uh, the polarizer in it. It's this gray box with the lightning bolts on it. It gets put in the uh, motor, and there's a sticker on the back window. And Holden, I'm, uh, I'm playing the head of Holden, says, uh, great, yeah, awesome, what does it do? Oh, well, it, um, it, it absorbs all the um, shocks. It, um, it makes everything go faster. It's, uh, it just makes things a lot easier. Great, okay. Um, how does it work? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It just does. Trust me. Mm, we'd like to trust you. We really would. But we kind of need some results here. You don't need results. GM has said they're going to put them in all the cut. Oh, GM have. Have they? Yeah. Well, what's in it? Don't open it. Just put it in the cars. Then he leaves. And what do you do as a Holden exec? You go open it. Let's open it. Let's see what's in it. Gets opened. Crystals, huh. magnets, and tin foil, and things like that. You can't put that in a car, because people are going to sue you, so um, it became a real contentious point for him. Um, and in the end, it didn't go well for him at all. And the polarizer now is a collector's item. You know, it's. Um, I think they, you know, they retail. They were, were meant to retail at the time at about four hundred and seventy bucks. But now they go for thousands. They're more of a, a, um, an interest piece. But they had one on set the other day. They had a real director, the full car, and you know, with the polarizer in it and everything, and the special sticker. Is the this box is in the engine block? Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's got no circuitry, no wires, nothing. It's just there. Who was in his life that he was talking to about this stuff? Uh, several people, yeah. several people. Um, you know, he didn't have the best. Uh, it, it's documented that he wasn't the best person when he drunk, when he was drinking. Uh-huh. So uh, one of his partners decided, you know, maybe let's go for some clean living. Uh-huh. And so he did, but he really embraced that.
1: Okay, so in that journey of sobriety, he... Uh, he ran with it.
2: He ran with it. And I guess maybe like most things in, in his life, he ran with it so hard and fast that he embraced it and just took it to its its extreme. It does give you an idea about, this is part of the show, by the way, the
1: ambiance of uh, my neighborhood of the, the law knowing next door. Oh, I thought it was a CD you
2: just put on. No, it's no. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not that old. I don't have CDs, mate. Uh. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair cool. Actually, my girlfriend picked up a couple of CDs from Hard Rubbish the other day. Yes. She picked up Enya and... The best of Tony Bennett. I'd, I would call that an absolute score. I think that's, that's a haul. That's polar extremes. That's you know that's that's good. Yeah.
1: So the thing about what you're saying, what that says to me is a, um, all it really does to me is it demonstrates, it demonstrates and gives me a clear example of the kind of resolve that this man had. Yeah. And what he would have been like in team meetings, in car design meetings, in race strategy meetings. Just go, oh, no, no, this is how it's going to go. And everyone just went, okay.
2: Yeah, he was a real force of nature by the sounds of it. And his conviction for this polarizer was all or nothing for him. And he did. He put everything on the line. And still apparently, you know, all all the way through up till his death, he said, no, this is the future. He said, we haven't invented machines that can can, can test this machine properly. But this... Is the future, and I know because I've proven it to myself. And you know, sure, we can't prove that it it can't prove that it works, but we can't prove that it doesn't work either.
1: Maybe it's that um, Heisenberg's theory of uh, observation. Maybe yeah. it was like if you don't look for it, it's working. If you
2: look for it, it doesn't. Exactly. It could be. It could even be just placebo. You know,
1: which is proven to
2: be. Incredibly effective, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe he was onto something, but that's the thing, you know. So I guess that's what this, um, you know, yeah. that's one of the things that this miniseries focuses on. And yeah. it's interesting; it's an interesting phase of his
1: life. I heard this. We'll get out on this because I've had you here long enough, and you want to go to the beach. Um, I heard this wonderful thing today from my friend Andrew, and he said he was talking about. We are talking about work. We talk about you know work ethic and what it is to go to work. Mm -hmm. And he says, work is not somewhere you go. Work is something that
2: you do. And I kind of dug it. Yeah, I like that. I've always thought of work, it has a slightly negative connotation because I find it very hard to say I'm going to work or this is my work because I really, really love acting and I love being involved um, in screen and stage and I, I really like being on set. I really like that, so I find it hard to attach the word "work" to that because it does sort of conjure up the idea of doing like a nine to five or something like that. But I was talking to my dad on Skype last night, and he said, "So, you know, you're working tomorrow," and I had to say, "Wow, I, I'm doing I'm doing a little bit of work. I'm, I guess I'm yeah I'm putting down a tape, that sort of thing. That's I'm not it's not really in the office, but um, I count that." You know, I'm um, sending a few emails. I guess that's kind of related to work, um, but I think that's a lovely sentiment. It's a, it's a, something that you do. It's as a goodie to somewhere you go. Yeah, it's a goodie, and yeah. I'm I'm
1: I'm really lucky that I consider myself very grateful that I get to do it. My my brothers
2: get to do stuff they they love to do. Which yeah, I, you know, I've never understood the mentality of working during the week for the weekend. You know, living, working the week to live the weekend or doing that 40, 50, 60 years of your life so you can live during retirement. I like the idea of living while you're working.
1: It's we are cool. we are blessed that we have that as an option.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. One, plenty thing. of
1: people on this planet that do not have that option.
2: Exactly. It's forced upon them for, you know, or, yeah. or you know, just, they just don't have those options. I mean, this is a wonderful thing to be able to do.
1: Yeah, mm. it is. Hey, um... I'm going to let – we're going to enjoy the ambiance of the two-stroke symphony. Yeah. It's no, it's wonderful. The, the, the I'm s- waiting for
2: the bass to come in.
1: Surrounding us. Yeah, Will, I, I think that's the ride-on, when the ride-on mile comes out. All right. Yeah, okay. Could be a goodie. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to shoot your photo real quick, okay? Yeah,
2: cool. Yeah, sweet. Okay, thanks, man. Thanks very much.
1: That was Ryan O'Kane. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you liked it, you can subscribe in iTunes or the podcast app of your choice or omniapp.com. You can find me at osherginsberg.com. Send your Osher email at gmail.com if you need me for anything. If you, I, I read everything. I, I don't write back to everything, but I do read everything. Also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, I hope you sleep well this week. I'm going to do everything I can to sleep well this week, including, uh, yes, more naps, which I'm about to go and have a nap this print job's going to be another two hours or so i'm going to have a nap and it's going to be awesome so have a great week Um, hope your christmas party weeks are all good and you're pummeling towards the end of the year Um, but be careful of yourself be careful of each other eat well and goodness if you can't if i can't at least you can please sleep well and dream of beautiful beautiful things thanks
3: for listening